2: So what's my up? Name is Carlos Tanner. Uh, you know, thanks for having me on this show. It's a pleasure to speak with you guys today. And um, yeah, I'm Carlos Tanner. I'm 46 years old. I'm originally from the United States, but I moved to Peru in 2004, where I've been living. Um, my first four years, I lived with a shaman named Don Juan, or a curandero, as they call them down in Peru. And that was kind of like an apprenticeship for me into the tradition of ayahuasca healing and plant medicine in the Amazonian tradition. And after that, I came up with the idea to start an organization called the Ayahuasca Foundation, which I did start in 2009. And we've been operating for the last uh, 11 years, offering healing retreats, educational courses. And more recently, we started hosting ayahuasca research, which has been uh, really interesting. And now, very recently, as of this year, uh, we became a founding member of the Psychedelic Medicine Association, and we're starting nice. to connect with um, therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists in the development of what I hope to be a new era of medicine that includes psychedelic therapy.
0: Amazing. Wow. That's, that's a huge step forward for the, for the community and for the plant medicine of ayahuasca.
2: Oh, man, I hope it's a huge step forward for the human race, to be quite Mm. honest. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit biased, uh, (sighs) but I would say that if we could move towards a consciousness-centered understanding of health, we would make milestones, uh, leaps forward in our understanding of how we can remain healthy and maintain that health, because consciousness seems to be curiously left out of so much Mm. of our current uh modern medical understanding of of our own health and i I don't know why that is but it's clearly creating so many limitations in our ability to to achieve healing and now that we see so many people dealing with depression and anxiety and trauma and ptsd seems to be like ravishing um cultures Mm. without uh, you know without without a a method to cure or even treat like it's time for us to recognize that like yeah. consciousness is certainly here, and we have done us ourselves a disservice to ignore it for the time that we have.
1: It seems almost indiscriminate because so many people are affected by these like you just kind of shotgunned all the anxiety, depression there's just this kind of ailment because we've let it be an open sore or like an open wound. And now it is the glaring problem. It is the kind of like, um, I don't want to say linchpin or something. It's like the, it's the frontier right now. Uh, You said it perfectly. It's like, like there's, there's a bunch of advancements in medicine, but there's everybody's like just stressed out or anxious or, or like hates themselves. And it's like all this tension that will chemically or physically just translate to disease. And exactly. mm. there's there's I mean, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of like in, in this kind of mystic uh, talk space, people will treat uh, something like ayahuasca as like a fast forward button that's kind of needed because there's just such a bombardment of, let's say, the opposite or the whatever's causing these like anxieties and stuff. So I'm just so happy that something that f- seems so like esoteric and and uh, oddly enough, new, even though it's like ancient technology, <laughs> that that's coming out of the the woodwork, literally, and becoming this like uh, I mean, it's it's like a modality, you know. You're we're talking about integration into medicine. We're talking about like you were saying you were you're hosting uh, the the like the phase one trials or something. So it's is it like is it like you went to Can you explain that a bit? Like, did you just kind of have it and then they came and started doing the trials because like you, you had everything they needed, essentially?
2: It's, it's like, yeah, it's quite literally a field of dreams story. Um, You know, referencing that film, if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. In, in 2013, I received an email saying, hi, um, we're a charitable organization that just started and, and. We're passionate about the potential of plant medicines. If we donate money to your organization, will you build a research center and you know we'll fund it and and so I'm not a researcher, I'm not a doctor, you know I, I I know a lot about plant medicine because of my personal experience, and I accepted the offer and went through the headaches and the nightmares of what it means to take on a project of that size, and Mm. any construction project is full of headaches, but this was like an epic construction project. I purchased a piece of land in the middle of a national reserve, which came with so many problems, um, least of which was that it's inaccessible by road so to get the materials there. And then, of course, I I couldn't cut down anything, uh, even on my own land, because of the location being inside a national reserve. So it was a headache after headache. Finally, we finished building it in 2017. Along the way, people kept saying, so what are you going to be doing? You know, (laughs) like you're building a research center. What are you going to be doing? And I had ideas, but um, my reply was, I'm not really sure, but I feel like, when the time comes, the right people will show up, and even before we finish the construction, a, psychi- a psychiatrist from the National Health Services in the UK named Simon Ruffle came and did a retreat, and he was blown away by what he saw in, in the outcomes in such a short period of time, compared to like his understanding of kind of what you were talking about earlier, like the uh, the limitations of the current methods of treatment. And and so he started saying, like, I would love to do research on this. And I was like, well, I'm building a research center right now. <laughs> and that that, be, that was the beginning of this, what would become a, an amazing relationship. His colleague, Nigel Netspan, would come and do a retreat soon after. and And then by the time we had finished building the research center, they were already in the grant proposal phase on their end to get funding from the British research Med- uh, Medical Research Council and it all came together so I don't I say hosting because I'm not doing the research nor do I have the credentials to do the research um, but of course I am providing my own insights and you know helping the the research be put together in the way that I think would be most advantageous and most accurate in and what they're looking at and and what the findings are, but it's all being done through the British Medical Research Mm. Council, at least the phase one study was all done through the British Medical Research Council. Now we're getting a collaboration with a lot of other organizations, um, because because they're aware of it now. And, um, and a big shout out to Simon and Nigel and also uh, Wai Fung um, Sang who helped a lot with the data collection and data analysis.
0: Hmm. Can you walk us through like what's what's exactly happening in this research study and what what are they presenting or hoping sure. to, to hoping to present?
2: Right, the study focused on you know psychological afflictions so depression, anxiety, and trauma, and um, the phase one was more specific to childhood trauma and the depression. There are you know I, again I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but there are apparently like different uh, classifications of depression Mm. and different classifications of anxiety and different classifications of trauma. So those are generalized words, you know, but they were Mm. essentially looking at all of those classifications with depression and anxiety. Um, And so, you know, you could call it well-being, I guess, would be like a generalized term. And so the studies were kind of simple. There are already Psychological evaluations, there are a number of them that have been accepted by the medical community to be valid evaluations of a person's uh, depression levels. The spectrum, it's kind of like a numerical uh, spectrum that you can be diagnosed with depression, but you're at a particular number. And within trauma as well, you know, there's severe and complex and, and then there's mild and, you know, what what warrants the the diagnosis in the first place and so those are all evaluations that have already been established by the psycho psychological community in within that field and so they chose a particular one of those evaluations and all the participants fill out that evaluation before they start uh, the treatment process before they start a retreat essentially and then they fill out the evaluation again after the retreat, and then they fill out the evaluation six months later after they finish the retreat. And then adi- in addition to the phase one study of that nature, there was also an epigenetic study that complemented it. So there were also saliva samples taken before and after, and, mm. and um, again, to see if there was a change in epi- uh, genetic expression. The, and they looked at specific markers that are associated with depression and anxiety. Okay. And so that was, um, you know, the entirety of the study. I actually do have a couple graphs, even though they have yet to be published. So these are pre published graphs, but this one I thought was pretty amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how well you can see it, yeah, but very well. the, mm-hmm. the main point of that is in the depression study, there was just this massive drop from. Before to after the retreat, but what I thought was fantastic was that it's even declined. six months later, there was still a drop. There's a steady decline and... from what I see. Excuse me?
0: It's, it looks like a steady decline from my view.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. And so it, it continued to go down. Well, yeah. you can see in the global distress, which is a number of other markers, which is this graph here, it had a slight uptick. Yeah. Mm. and I honestly was expecting that to be the 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 case and anxiety was um, similar where there was a, a slight uptick okay uh, in the six month later mm-hmm. why were because you expecting if if yeah you think about it yeah like you're going to the Amazon rainforest you're leaving your entire life behind you you don't even have the opportunity to get on your cell phone you know so like mm. there's no like the the stress is zero yes. you know the, the, your worst stress is like trying to slap a mosquito or something and and then you have to go home hmm. you know so typically my assumption would be that anxiety has a lot to do with the environment that you're in and so if you're going to return to that environment it's almost inevitable that there will be an increase but it was still, of course, a, a slight increase compared to the drastic decrease. Mm-hmm. Um, but the depression, I, I was actually surprised because the depression to me showed that even returning to an environment that most likely contributed to the depression, the change, the transformation that was brought about through the use of ayahuasca in the retreat was so like profound or so um, solid That it was literally like permanent, and so it kept going down because the people must have been implementing this transformation and integrating it into their lives, and that I mean, yeah, what more can you (laughs) want? You know, like it's pretty much what it means to be cured because they took some of those programs were eight days long, two weeks long, you know, which in the span of a lifetime is nothing. And then to have literally be cured of the depression, um, you know, what, that's exactly what we're all looking for. Uh, so it's very, very promising. So <laughs> now we're expanding the phase two studies that's... that will hopefully start this month.
0: Well, wow, that's incredible. It's, it's these these experiences, especially especially with ayahuasca, it's like a foundational change, and that's why I, I'm seeing that decline in depression. It's because the foundation is what's usually gutted out in these ceremonies and, and rebuilt off of that. And that's what's so amazing about ayahuasca is it, it goes to those lever, those, uh, those layers of the mind and works through the deep, deep layers of trauma way above words and, and day-to-day life, like the things that the root cause. And that's why, that's it, right. if for me, it makes so much sense seeing that the depression continue to decline because now the foundation has changed.
1: That's mm. right, exactly. Yeah. That's a cool way of thinking about it because the, like, the anxiety, like coming back into the environment that's causing it and then you're seeing this kind of like inertia, and you could say the same thing about the depression, but like the, the ceremony or whatever kind of caused that is continuing. So it, I don't know, I guess it says more about depression than it does about ayahuasca. It's like the there's just this kind of internal uh, environment that gets perpetuated maybe, and it's less about like coming home to the problems and more about this, like you said, this kind of foundational uh, perspective nudge or paradigm shift, you know, or like whatever degree you uh, want to play with. It's yeah, interesting.
2: It's a, it's a brilliant point, I, I think, because I I think it's also like natural to assume that anxiety has a, a big component in in the environment.
0: Hundred percent.
2: Um, you know, I spent this year. Oh man, like, isn't that a great example? Yes. Um, like, it's almost healthy to have anxiety at particular points in well your said. life because there will be events and experiences that cause anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a natural response sometimes to to have that. It could be a healthy response at times. Whereas depression, I would now look at it as less environmental, Mm -hmm. although the original formation of what you referred to as the foundation probably had a strong environmental impact because it had to do with traumas or the formation of what those foundational elements were, like what I call core personal truths. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if you form a core personal truth that is detrimental to your health, mm-hmm. then you are you, you you're in trouble, you know, because now you start building a belief system, a belief structure on top of this foundation that is actually like an unhealth it's a it's it's a pillar that's rotting. You know, yeah. so Eventually, that it, when the rot gets deep enough, whatever you've built on it is going to come crashing down. And so that becomes less environmental and much more internal. Yes. And then if you can have that transformational experience that ayahuasca and other psychedelics can provide and replace that rotten beam, so to speak, with a healthy solid foundation yeah you do you'll have to do the rework you know you'll have to rebuild some of the structure above it but that structure will last and then it's not about what happens in the environment you're not going to hate yourself again that's it when you have that when you've replaced that healthy foundation
0: that's it and that's what i was even if you have the anxiety
2: you're not going to say well now i I," it's not going to be coupled with that that lack of self-love
0: and that's what happened, that's what I was given from my ceremony, from my from my history and ceremonies was, it was deep foundational work where I've created this internal support system that no matter what the fuck happens in my life now, I have this like space inside, it's just, it's as if I'm at ceremony all the time and I can always go back to that mindset, that that like space I've created through ayahuasca that everything can get so intense, I can feel anxious, I can feel everything, but I know at the core that everything's going to be okay, you'll get through this, this is just another form of ceremony, but I do agree that the the anxiety, there's so many things that trigger anxiety, our phones are just dopamine buttons, uh, the stress of our environment, like, whatever is around us has an effect, but that's, I'm not saying it's like a superficial effect, but it's not, at least for me, it's not penetrating that foundation, like, no matter what's going on, I still have that room, that space that I can go back to and, and and kind of build from there, you know?
2: I could actually see now, and I'm glad we're having this talk because these are like new ideas mm-hmm. that I like, that going home and having that uptick of anxiety could actually correlate directly to the downtick of depression because you recognize, you know, like you're like, oh man, here comes the anxiety. And then you recognize like, Hey, i'm okay you know like yeah. you you're like i'm i'm actually okay with this oh this is this is new like mm. even though i have some anxiety in my life it's not beating me down mm. you know and and then and so in that recognition you're like i'm even better than i thought i was like yes. i'm doing you know so then when you fill out the evaluation you're like yeah i did have more anxiety but I had less depression. That's it. It's I like should a, the say, full say, story. evaluation is not so simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, for sure, for sure. <laughs> it's not like do you have anxiety on the no. scale? <laughs> one or two. It's, quite, it's, it's quite elaborate. It like, props to the medical community. But
0: that's good patients. that it's quite elaborate, scale. and you can illustrate it in a very simple form, but obviously the, the back end of it is deep details and deep work, but it's still right. showing at the front end of like, this clear separation of the two. Which is beautiful to see, you know.
1: Mm. It's almost like on. It's like more honest, you know. Like uh, if there's problems, if there's things that need to be done, then a lot of people with depression and anxiety are probably the kind of person to. You've gotten to a point where it's it's chronic, you know, and you're unable to handle it. So it's almost like this. Uh, this like slow rise back into uh, kind of power and control, and then you're. Uh, the whole every step of the way to that uh you know uh, upper plateau is honesty is like oh this is a problem i don't have to freak out about it but mm-hmm. if i ignore it it will be a bigger problem later so there's this, this like whole other way of seeing things uh, whereas a lot of people just want to be okay and kind of gloss over a lot of like the little problems in their life and then they have a pile of problems on friday night kind of thing whereas right something like ayahuasca or uh, any any therapy i think is just trying to polish the lens and then you're you're like oh i ha- okay there's some shit going on so anxiety for sure but uh, maybe i like calling it stress cuz i just feel like that's more like like uh neutral and medical it's just a stress response but you can be like okay this is a good stress response v- versus like i am always stressed and i'm feeling anxious i'm just i'm just you know i hear a loud noise and, and my shoulders touch my ears like hmm. th- it, there's 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 such a right. rough divide but there's such a clear path from one to the other and i mean I, I, like you were saying obviously the the tests are probably really complicated like personality tests with like 300 questions or something i don't know how do you yes. how do you take a snapshot of somebody's mood like that like it's 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 yeah, right. probably a little bit impossible which is why you need to do it a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways and there's still like a bit of subjectivity i'd love to get more into that i don't i don't want to change the subject too strongly here but i'm just really curious about the all the scientific aspects i know it's not your forte but like um were there any results with the the epigenetic section of the of the testing like i'm really curious about that when you mentioned it
2: yeah there were and i'm smiling about it because they were great Oh, um you know, I don't know how much you know about epigenetics, and I gotta say, like most of what I know about epigenetics is just from reading Bruce Lipton, I was gonna who quote introduced him me yeah. to the term. You know, <laughs> I um, know some buzzwords exactly. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I know that it is different from genetics in the sense that it's not the gene; it's whether the gene has been activated or deactivated. And and that to me is kind of the future of our understanding of genetics. And so even if you even if both of your parents had a you know a, a hereditary problem, the likelihood of you having those genes is very, very high. But whether or not you activate those genes is completely indetermined other than what you learn as traits mm. for how you respond to the experiences of your life, which are culturally inherited rather than genetically inherited by by meaning like when you watch how your parents deal with stress as an example you Mm -hmm. will most likely adopt certain traits in that manner and those traits might activate a gene but you have the power to change how you react to change those traits because they're not genetic they're cultural or they're familial or however you want to say but they're learned and, and that, to me, is such an empowering understanding. And so they were looking at specific traits associated with uh, depression that when activated, you know, when they analyzed those genes in people that suffered from depression, they saw that this genetic marker was activated. And and then after the the retreats, by anal- analyzing the the um, genetic material of the saliva samples they found that it had been disactivated that's huge and so that then makes perfect sense as to why you would see the chart the way that i, I showed it hmm. why it was going to keep going down because if you've de- deactivated your genetics so that you that the ones that are associated with depression well then you're you're not your genes aren't helping or contributing to the the affliction Mm. so it's fascinating and that is the first time that that's ever been uh, seen because that's the first study that's ever been done on a psychedelic looking at epigenetics so I mean it's kind of amazing that it hasn't been done before Um, but here we are epigenetics is a relatively new term as well and I'm sure that we will soon see a lot of epigenetic studies following that but it was awesome to be able to like host such a groundbreaking study and to have yes. such a groundbreaking result because it really kind of said, you know, genes are like the permanent thing. Like there's like permanence exactly. and genes yeah. that go hand in hand. The concept, if you have these genes, this is how you are, yes. you know? And, and so to be able to say, well, I've deactivated that gene. Mm-hmm. is also to say, I'm not that way anymore. You know,
0: that's a key word you said is empowering because a lot of people will, think under the notion that your genes are you and then that's your limitation so you're a victim to what you your genetic code is but now that i look at it like a light switch it's like they're activated with the light switch and then you can turn off that light switch the way you explained it i just pictured a light switch Mm. or like a light bulb that goes on and off and we have that power and that's for some people that's huge because they think they're this is just the way i am and they give up that sense of control or sense of change that they can they actually have within yeah I do I, I kind of understand it. that like it's I'm binary.
2: just to chime in but even worse than that unfortunately is by thinking that you are trapped, you know in the previous conception, like if you think, oh my parents have this, mm. both of them, and I have this, I'm gonna have cancer you know like and and that is a huge push to activate yes. the scene you know it's like so you're true you're you're disempowering your your belief system you know you're like taking power away from yourself with the thoughts and beliefs that you have but, but it's, epigenetics is actually putting it back in our hands
0: yeah it's
1: you're almost talking like like i don't know like metagenetics i don't know if that's a term but it's like the the genetics you're given gives you a kind of a story and then through some kind of like uh like a like a bruce liptony kind of f- physiological psychological bridging You're you're then through your nurture activating your nature, and then it's like uh, compounding, and and there's this big self fulfilling prophecy because we are most of us are raised by our parents, and then you know ipso facto all that stuff. But it's it's crazy to see it that way because it's almost it's empowering. It's all of this is empowering. Where if we can nudge it in the other direction. You can argue chicken egg until the, the cows come home. There's a lot of animals in that, <laughs> wor- a sentence. But uh, in the end, you're you're you're. It's just like go in that direction, and then everything will conspire to help you. Your genetics will kick in or or turn off. Like like we're saying, it is kind of like a a light switch. You, may, you drink, you won't drink ayahuasca and get taller. You know, like there's still physics involved. But like fucking maybe, like like <laughs> give it like seven eight years. Like you're literally changing the way your genes express themselves. And that can form you, Mm. you know, we're literally, we're replacing ourselves all the time. Our neurons are growing and flipping around like crazy spiders on LSD every night. Like uh, you have this one or a series of these profound experiences, profound, uh, profound either spiritually, psychologically, or, or just molecularly, chemically. And this will possibly, and now we're proving it probably really throw you into like a different Uh, dimension like another universe where you're you could be a better person you don't have to like od in a ditch somewhere or you don't have to be depressed all the time or you don't have to fucking uh even if it's a mild but consistent anxiety like like you said before if this could if you could take two weeks out of your life and and get a clean slate maybe clean slate is is a is a too bold a statement but like
2: transformation
1: yeah i mean and that's i like that word because it's it's bold, but kind of factual also. No one comes out the other end the same. Nobody. If you do, right. like you well, are. Well,
2: <laughs> there are two things that I would love to talk about. Um, one goes backwards a little bit to what we were talking about earlier with depression because I feel like there's a, a, like a very horrible um, misconception about what it means to be depressed I, as someone that was depressed. And, and, and we kind of like flip it, like instead of depressed, you should be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's somehow like this misconception. And so the idea is kind of like take some pills to stay happy all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's just a fallacy. People that don't have depression aren't happy all the time. Yeah. You know, There's it's so much deeper than that. And, and understanding that there are these emotions, and that's what we were kind of touching on. Like, even with anxiety, it doesn't mean that you're having depression because everyone has a roller coaster of emotions, and that is part of being healthy. But underneath that is this satisfaction with who we are. You know, and so yeah, I'm sad right now. Maybe something happened—a loved one died or something. It would be messed up if I was happy. Mm. You know, that'd be—that would I would should go seek help if I was happy. If (laughs) my parent died or something, and and so I I wanted to address that because I think it deserves our attention. That we've kind of created this thing where if you're not happy, you something's wrong. You know, and like that's like backward. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of times when we're not, we shouldn't be happy, you know, it's great when we are, but we should also feel sadness, we should also have the full range of emotions, it's just that beneath that we should accept ourselves for who we are and be satisfied Mm -hmm. with our true identity, provided that our foundation of what that identity is, is strongly built is solidly built is beneficial to us so that's one important part that i just wanted to tag yeah, on there. the second important. part though was a clarification that it's super common to say drink ayahuasca as if like that does it and i'm not calling you out it it happens all over the place and and i and i'm not happy when i see the the headlines of the research i'm i love research being done on ayahuasca but You'll see a headline, which you guys probably just saw because it was kind of recent. Ayahuasca regrows brain cells.
0: Yes, you know, and
2: there was a study, and it showed that people that were drinking ayahuasca had new neurons, new brain cells being built, uh, grown, and the implications obviously are huge, especially with regard to degenerative issues Mm -hmm. like um, Parkinson's and and um, you know the 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 Alzheimer's and and things that we associate with with like the inevitable degradation of old age. But it isn't just ayahuasca, you know, and unfortunately we want to say that because that is the way that we think about in the Western world about medicine. Mm-hmm. We look at it without consciousness as a chemical interaction, you know. So you take this pill, it has these chemicals in it, those chemicals interact with your chemicals, they change it in a particular way, and the result is that you're better. And consciousness doesn't seem to fit into it. Like, yeah, we don't need consciousness. Which is messed up, because we have all this scientific evidence that proves how powerful consciousness is, that if that pill is fake, is a sugar pill, but you've been told it is the chemical, that you will still have the chemical reaction, even though there is no justifiable reason for that. Your body just figures it out. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Fills in the blank and somehow because chemically. Because
2: your consciousness is so powerful yes. that it can actually create the chemical reaction by believing it is, and mm-hmm. that to me is insanely important. Yeah. If we want to like make the best effort to understand healing, but what what ayahuasca does is that it works within this incredibly complex and well-developed system of use that is usually referred to as a tradition. And so you can't really separate ayahuasca from ceremony. If you're going to say, I drank ayahuasca 99 times out of 100 or 99, 999 times out of 1,000, what you really mean is, I went to an ayahuasca ceremony Mm -hmm. And in that ceremony, yes, I did drink ayahuasca. But during that ceremony of several hours, there was this elaborate and complex art form being performed in this way that contributed to enhancing my consciousness, focus, and ability to create this change. Because you don't just drink ayahuasca and sit there and then boom, You're not depressed or, you know, your problems have been solved. It's Mm -hmm. not like that at all. Obviously, if you've drunk ayahuasca, you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of work involved. And what the ceremony does is it creates this, like, super optimum environment for you to be able to do that work better. Like, if you took ayahuasca at home, hopefully there would already be this, um, you know, desire to create something ceremonial. But if you didn't and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to the movies, it'll be cool. Why don't I drink some ayahuasca? You know, there's a very low likelihood that you're going to get those results. The ceremony is a, is a massive part. It might even be more important than the ayahuasca itself. I would love to do a study to see what the impact of people going to a ceremony and not drinking would be compared to people drinking that don't go to a ceremony. I actually feel like the people that don't even drink the ayahuasca would get more benefit from it mm-hmm. so i just want to make sure that like that's being said just in case there are people listening that are like i got to get myself some yes. of that ayahuasca you Yeah, know? it's more than that and i think that by recognizing that it's more than that is also a gateway to recognizing how much better we could have our own understanding of health be because clearly ayahuasca recognizes how important consciousness is and has taken the time over generations to develop this complex tradition of use to enhance your consciousness in that process, something that Western medicine lacks incredibly. And, and a great example is, is there is respect and reverence in a ceremony, it's built into the ceremony. Even mm-hmm. if you just think of the word ceremony, it's like you would almost choose to define it using words like respect and reverence, regardless of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's just like part of what it means to have ceremony. Mm-hmm. How many people respect the pills they're taking? You know, if you if you are taking Prozac, do you respect it? Is that a word you would associate with, with taking the pill? And how many people Maybe. hate the medication they're taking? Yeah. Like... You know, within ayahuasca, mm-hmm. there is gratitude. Oh, yeah. You know, it's also built in. When you take the <laughs> cup and you're going to drink it, there's already this. You're already saying thank you. Mm-hmm. You, know, you haven't even had the experience. You're already saying thank you. you. You're programming yourself to be at the highest frequency to receive this medicine. And yet, how many people hate having to take their medication? They take the bottle out of the cupboard or wherever they keep it, and there's this like. Lower it like how low can my frequency go because i hate having to take this medicine and then they take the pill out and like the the, the act of putting it into their mouth is surrounded by mm-hmm. this low frequency disgust mm-hmm. and that is their hope is that it will heal them mm-hmm. you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know which one would be optimal to have the best outcome gratitude, a state of high frequency and love, or hatred and this low frequency state of disgust. Like, it's, it's easy to see that, but we're not cultivating the, the optimization of consciousness in Western medical practices, and we should be, obviously. Yes. I think that if you have been diagnosed with cancer, and the prognosis is that you should be taking chemotherapy then you should be going to some chemotherapy center in the forest that's beautiful. Along the way, you're like, wow, look at those trees. This is awesome. Oh, is that a deer? Like, you you know, you're, you're already feeling better and better just getting there. You walk into the place. It's not some sterile, sanitary hospital with noises and stuff that makes you feel bad already just being there. It's actually like some beautiful center built out of wood and gorgeous construction. You look out the windows and you're all looking at nature. And then yes, you have chemotherapy there. But while you're having it, you don't watch TV. Mm -hmm. You don't read a magazine. You just go inward. There's darkness. There's beautiful music playing that kind of guides you through this process. There's an ideology and a methodology all conducive to optimizing your consciousness within the chemotherapy process. And then the outcome is going to be better. I would love to do that as a research project as well, to compare chemotherapy ceremonies with the, the classic chemotherapy treatment. But I we have so much to, to learn. And I'm sorry, that was a lot of it's... stuff. But we have no, so much please. to learn yes. from the indigenous traditions and their understanding of the truly holistic nature of what we are. And then the thing that you were talking about, too, about this foundation, we don't just end here, Hmm. you know? We're not individuals, Mm -hmm. in the sense that I have individual cells in my body, but they're only individual in the sense that, yes, I can take one out and look at it under a petri dish or something. But really, they're all working in total harmony with one another to create me. And we, as human beings, are individual, yes, there is like a boundary, But yet we are combining to form this incredibly complex and magically mysterious thing called nature or the planet Earth or whatever you want to, however big you want to get at the universe. But we are part of something much bigger. And I think a big part of why we're seeing ourselves rise in our levels of depression is because we have considered ourselves to be disconnected from the rest of the world and thus we feel alone Mm
0: -hmm. in the
2: world like it's us against the world almost when that's so far from the truth and the indigenous cultures throughout history and all of our ancestors knew that that was not true, that we were always a part of nature and because we were a part of nature that gratitude that I talked about earlier was inherent in our understanding of our own existence because nature is so worthy of our gratitude it is so easy to be in awe of nature and yet we don't include ourselves in what we should be you know feeling that awe towards if that makes sense
0: yeah well COVID illustrated how problematic separation is because depression rates went up suicide went up and what really happened is yes the whole world changed everything that you know has been kind of modified but what was really going on is everyone had to isolate and that solitude for a lot of people, especially people living solo and no no friends and family around, if they're aboard abroad for school or whatever. There's so many stories and cases that you can bring up, but it's that isolation that is, you know. There's a funny thing. It's like prisoners are in in a, in a prison with like the quote unquote the worst of the worst, and the biggest punishment that you can give a prisoner or a, a murderer or whatever you want to call it is putting it in solitude and isolation like that's the biggest punishment you can give it's all that's left it's <laughs> like all right we locked you away from society with other people locked away from society now we're going
1: to do it again but you're s- but
0: <laughs> but you're solo so like yeah. solitude is in the in the courts it's not our nature and that's why things like ayahuasca remind you not at the intellectual level but at the experiential level the the deep vastness of connectivity and that we are all connected in some way. And that's mm-hmm. like a big theme that you hear so many people, probably I would say in the high 90 percentile, that people that do an ayahuasca ceremony, they, one of the key words, buzzwords that they always say ancestry. is... Ancestry. Yeah, they say ancestry and they say connect, connections and connectivity. I feel connected. That's such a common word that's thrown around after a ceremony. And that's what we're, we're missing, is that connection to ourselves, to our friends, to our surroundings, to our environment. And once you start living in that connection, in that in that connective mindset, everything starts to grow into place. You know. Yeah,
1: definitely. There's like um, uh, like the uh, you you said so much. There's so much to unpack. But like, there's this kind of insidious like blind spot in the zeitgeist uh, for for the individual, for medicine, for everything. And it's it's what you're getting at there. There's just like this. Even the way we might try to rectify our feeling of disconnection might be with like a disconnection mindset you know like we're so ass backwards sometimes we we think that we're empowering ourselves by kind of forcing this individuation further and it's i mean it's just sad because um it's something i'm personally going through right now as well and and i I'm glad you brought up covid because like the lockdowns a lot of businesses went under because they were they were just making enough to go by a lot of people went under because they were just feeling enough to go by. And that scares the shit out of me. <laughs> for myself and for everybody because it's like a... Like, that's a normal? Like, that's common? That's really fucked up. And you are you said it, man. Your whole, like, rant that you just went on just now... <laughs> I, I don't even want to call it a rant because it was so, like, well-formulated and patient and, and well said, but it, there's just this... Um, there's this glaring neglect, you know. It's so it's so evident. It's so like, what the fuck, you know? And then everyone's like, no, 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 no. Uh, we need to maintain like the things we've been maintaining, even though they've caused this problem. That needs to be our jewel in the crown, so to speak. And then the rest of the crown can be made of fucking tinfoil for all they care. And we just have this kind of fixation. It's not even a mentality. It's just this kind of like uh, ailment from modern society, I guess, and and it's it's hard to get out of that. And even when you try to, you might you might do it, you know, like with good intentions, but you're not really sure how to do it. And it's it's I, it really just makes me sad because there there's answers, you know. There's a lot of things we could do to help each other and ourselves. And you know, as you're kind of pointing out, there isn't a big difference between the two. And a lot of our society is set up for there to be a distinct separation. So a lot of times when I'm helping myself, I feel like I'm hurting others. And that's really probably wrong most of the time. It's just my impression. But even if it is right ever, that's like hit abort. As soon as that happens, we fucked up, turn around. Whatever we're doing is not worth it anymore. You cannot have a society that works that way. I've, there's going to be stragglers and, and loss and all this fun stuff that life has to offer, but fuck, man, I, there has to be a better way.
2: Here's my, I, you know, we we just got pretty deep deep down in the in the depths there. Um, let's let maybe I can like bring it back up. Uh, please, I'm kind of like I've been, like I'm, I've been it, playing I with depression lately. It, so I'm gonna try to like yeah, let's bring some hope into it, some optimism. Um, please. So, I mentioned like our ancestors and every human being's ancestors for countless generations worked within a paradigm of reality that saw them as an intricate and important part of this massive whole. That was perfect. And you could call it God if you want to. I think nature is like this great term because everybody recognizes nature. You don't have any like atheists who don't believe in nature or something mm. um but but to me the consciousness element that you do find in the word god should be included in that nature just in case someone is thinking that nature might be a mechanism which i disagree with i do definitely feel like there is a consciousness within nature um and and i think that's important but what commonality that existed in all of our ancestors, whether they were in Europe or in Africa or in Australia or North and South America or Asia, is that they all used psychedelics. No lie. Like, Mm -hmm. they all used a natural substance that produced an amplification of sensory perceptive ability so that they could literally feel and tune in to that nature on a deeper way and make that perception of connection undeniable you know like they they were using mushroom cults or or um, ergot roots or or ayahuasca or san pedro or peyote or iboga or you know whatever it was or wherever it was they were all using these traditions of consciousness enhancement and sensory perceptive amplification through the use of psychotropic substances and And so now we find ourselves in this new renaissance, this psychedelic renaissance where we're actually returning to these substances again. And in doing so, we are returning to our ancestral traditions. And we're also kind of discovering like, oh shit, you know, Christianity, they were all drinking LSD. Like they were using fermented ergot and then Christianity kind of came out later. And then those christians said don't take that substance anymore Mm -hmm. and and then you know wherever you go kind of the 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 precursor to the religion was this shamanic tradition using a, a psychotropic medicine and but now here we are you and i right now talking about these psychotropic medicines and these traditions of their use these same precursors to our own religions and our own ancestral traditions and yet we're talking about them because they're being revived and psychedelic therapy to me is the, the path that we need to take to revive them just because we're caught up in this new kind of modern paradigm that doesn't recognize yet the spirit or at least not to the degree that maybe we deserve to recognize it. But yet we have recognized the potential benefit of these substances and so through our own kind of weird way we're, we're getting back to that. And what's going to happen when psychedelic use becomes fully legitimate to the point where your parents are telling you that they're going to go to a psychedelic therapist, you know, and when, you know, when, when, when you have the people that were kind of maybe thinking you were going down a dark road when you were taking psychedelics earlier in your youth are now saying, hey, um, do you know anyone that I <laughs> that where I can get some of those mushrooms you used to take? You know, mm-hmm. you know, this full legitimization, what will happen to our consciousness as a society? And to me, I can't see it going bad. Mm. Like I, it, it will only come the solutions that to our problems will just arise as a natural process through that reconnection, through that sense of awe of our existence that comes as kind of a guarantee, even if you're not involved in a tradition, even if you're taking LSD, you know, at a party or something, there's still this like mm-hmm. awe that comes where you're just like, wow, you yeah. know, and, and even just that, just that will have great implications in how we tackle the problems that are facing humankind. So I, I do have a ton of hope
0: 100%. for the
2: future and that doesn't mean that we should stop criticizing cuz the criticisms are uh, important and essential to what is essentially a fucking horrible healthcare system
0: yeah
2: you know like it, it's pathetic that we're at the point where we are where we, <laughs> if you have a if you have a physical problem you go like over this part of town but if you have a mental problem you go to like that part of town yeah. and if you have an emotional problem or a spiritual problem yeah you go to somebody else those people that you go to though they no never talk to each other yeah, yeah they mm-hmm. they never share notes or anything <laughs> and yet somehow you're going to like get it all together you know <laughs> it's it's backwards from from the bottom to the top and and so it will take something like a psychedelic revolution to overthrow that and that's not even like getting into the power structures of the pharmaceutical industry which we probably shouldn't do um but it, yeah that's it's a, a mess, that's a rabbit hole for I, sure <laughs> yeah it's a mess uh, but yet i do feel and, I, and i'm totally biased of course that psychedelics are a, a our greatest hope to i might just say better.
1: you're informed it's <laughs> hard to interrupt you there but like i wouldn't even call it a bias. i mean like obviously anyone who's tried it has an experience that the that the other might not but like the proof is in the pudding you know and and i mean i i don't want to take your momentum away but i just got to say like i've met so many people in in a similar field as yourself you know in a similar uh task that they've kind of undertaken let's say and you're all really cool <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to simplify <laughs> it but like but like you know if you guys are running shit that shit's going to run well you know and if you have a system that's holistic it won't dissolve in the bigger pond you know like as 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 we evolve as we get as we kind of grow as a society like we need something that's going to touch on all bases and Mm. plant medicine's part of that but plant medicine's also showing us that that's necessary so like there's no coincidences here we're here because we need to be kind of
2: right (laughs) yeah no i agree with that 100 My, my faith in the earth is so solid like my what i view to be the 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 consciousness and the body of the earth which we are all apart the earth didn't create humankind to kill itself you know like it knows we don't know Mm -hmm. but we're we're like the cells does the cell of my face know like what it's actually doing I, i don't know if it does it doesn't need to you know yeah um And so I I definitely feel like the earth knows exactly what it's doing. And I use this metaphor as a way to try to describe that, which is if a mother is giving birth and they're in the throes of labor, you know, like they're in the moments of the birthing process, and then like a a three-year-old happens to just walk in, maybe it's her other sibling, you know, or a child, and and a three-year-old walks in, they don't understand they don't they, they can't understand the process yet but they do have enough smarts to recognize suffering and they look at their mother or the woman and they see that she's in anguish maybe she's yelling or grunting or you know there's like easy recognition with pain there's some like fluids and stuff like it's it, it the energy is hectic like clearly that child who lacks adequate understanding of what's actually happening would describe it as a horrible event you know and that this woman needs attention that she needs to be saved she needs to be rescued you know we've got to do something about this to fix this because this is a terrible situation happening and then later that child grows up has conversations with their mother more about it comes to learn you know, about what happens, and mm. then come to find out, oh, no, that was the greatest moment in that woman's life. What she was witnessing and incorrectly interpreting to be a horrible mm. situation that needed to be fixed was actually the most beautiful and joyous and incredible profound experience of that woman's life. And to me, that's kind of like what we're doing. We're looking at Mother Earth and we see the anguish, you know, and we see the, 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 the fluids and the blood and, the, and we're hearing the screams and, and we're just like, oh, my God, you know, we've got to do something about this. We've got to fix this, help somebody help this because we lack the understanding of what the birthing process is mm-hmm. and 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 later on hopefully we'll have the maturity to understand it and we'll look back and be like oh that was like one of the greatest moments in the life of the earth and and that's kind of my view on it not to say that like yeah go fucking pollute or shit mm-hmm. like you know make the changes in your life of course but also don't freak out because we lack such a the wisdom that we lack is immeasurable mm-hmm. you know and the wisdom we have is is minuscule so let's just you know like keep it real and yeah. and and maybe just focus on how we can connect back to that mother and 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 be real and whole
0: that's that's you know, it and you know I, I said this a few times is that you s- I I, can tr- I try to separate myself to observe everything that's going on. And the most I can see from that perspective is that there's a peak in chaos, but then there's like this solution that's kind of almost meeting it at the top. And that's the plant medicines and all these kind of conversations that are fueling that.
1: And you don't know where that point is yeah. until it's happening, I guess. But that's it's an, like, yeah, mm. but
0: there is clearly a momentum behind plant medicine. It's being talked about almost everywhere now. Look at what we're doing. And I compare it to 10 years ago when I was just learning about ayahuasca. And approaching people, and maybe 1 out of 20 or 1 out of 10 would be like, oh, I kind of heard about that. Whereas now it's literally almost everyone I encounter, like some form of knowledge behind it. Oh, my cousin tried it in in Peru or in Brazil. But like it's such a common term now. And there's clearly a momentum behind it, way bigger than any of us can observe and see, but it's happening. I hate to use the word mainstream, because there's obviously some negative
1: connotations, especially especially when you're talking about like like an ancient tradition or or something that we want to kind of consider sacred. That's just going to suddenly have like advertisements like slapped upon it or something. But, uh, I got there, there is, it had to go mainstream. Like you were saying before, we need this now and it's going to do way more good than, than harm. And it's funny cause you were talking about this kind of like, there's like two ways of seeing the, the grandeur of, existence and like there's uh, the just the vastness of it can be kind of crushing and or you can see that you don't see and kind of like instead of having an anxiety it kind of turns into a faith uh, like a an informed faith but a faith nonetheless you know like it can go right it can be good enough right now and get better later kind of thing and the funny thing is that both of those are the same like you're looking in the same direction you're looking into the void essentially but what's cool as well is that something like ayahuasca will make you well first of all force you to look at the void in a nice way, but just be like, "Buddy, it's there, it's looking at you. you may as well say hi and but then it's going to recontextualize that, so it's like it's again like you were saying before about the 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 sanctity of of the ceremony it's kind of redundant, but like the the importance of the ceremony around something like ayahuasca is. Just as, if not more important, which we've actually said on the podcast a hundred times, like <laughs> so, it, 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 we we can't agree enough, and it's 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 like the I I lost my words, but it, it you get what I'm saying. Like there's there's just this perfection. Uh, the talking to you, I kind of feel like there's no other way we can go because we've we've kind of past the w- the point of no return for for this kind of self-destructive like you know we're not going to be in a, some star trek universe either but we're not going to bust a mad max you know like i, I don't think i don't i don't wa- i don't, yeah. don't want to claim it. even when we have possibly in the past there's always been a survivors let's say and then just a kind of regrowth so in this kind of healthy detachment way We are granted through psychedelics, through ceremony, through therapy, through anything to kind of just comfortably come back to the self in an honest way and not in a separate way and then to use the self to embody and to live in this connection. Again, in an honest way, it's just happening. If you're avoiding it or disconnecting from it, there's that's where all the suffering is coming from. I am just ranting now. I just heard myself.
2: Well, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of ranting. <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're doing good. <laughs> I have my own like personal vision, I guess, and um, you know maybe I'm about to like go off the deep end, but let's hey, go. Manifesto time. Um, <laughs> It actually comes from Bruce Lipton. Uh, after Biology of Belief, he also wrote a book, and I apologize to his co-author because I don't remember his name. But it was called Spontaneous Evolution, and um, it was a, a brilliant book as well. And the the main point, and what the title refers to, is that evolution, as as I always had a problem with it, um, is not like gradual. And that's why I always had a problem with it. Even when I was young, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, so there's like a lizard that's got like kind of wings. Like, what the? Why would it do that, you know? Um, and, and they say, no, it's spontaneous. Like, chicken and the egg actually, which was referred to like, yeah, literally an egg was laid by a different animal, but the new evolution hatched from it. And, and that combines kind of with uh, Rupert Sheldrake, who's a, I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of also, and, and the morphogenetic field and, like, how you could change your morphogenetic field and your morphic resonance so that you can actually give birth to a different species or a new evolution in, in that species. Um, but the point that I found to be so interesting, which makes so much sense, is that... So evolution is spontaneous in the sense that, yeah, it just goes there's a leap. There's always an evolutionary leap. It's not some gradual thing. And what causes it is a crisis. Hmm. So it makes so much sense. Like also with the, the kind of classic, or maybe I was just misunderstanding it as, as a child, but the classic understanding that I had was that it was this gradual process. And like 10,000 years later, you know, a, a frog would be a cat or something. I mean, that's like a joke, but, you know, yeah, I know yeah, I yeah. it. And because that, that's kind of like what we say. Like, oh, yeah, horses, they became dolphins or something. You're like, yeah. wait, what? Um, yeah, you got
1: to explain and, that one.
2: <laughs> and and, um, and it, it why would they change? You know, mm-hmm. if everything was great, yeah. like, why would an animal it, keep evolving? Like, hey, this is perfect. We're, we're great just the way we are. Mm. let's grow wings, you know, it Mm. doesn't make sense unless there was a purpose, like unless they needed to grow wings in order to keep their survival, to keep their species going, it had to change. And, And that to me makes way more sense. And then combine that with, okay, we've got a crisis, our survival is being threatened, but if we evolve, and we'll have to do it quickly, Our offspring won't be threatened that makes so much more sense to me like when I imagine it it makes so much more sense to me that it's like that Hmm. and so they describe like the evolution single-celled organisms had to at one point they were threatened to the point where oh they had to combine so then all of a sudden these all these individuals said hey let's get together and they all work together as multicellular organisms and then there was a threat where they're like okay we've got to divide our, our function. Okay, you know, start creating the division of labor, so to speak, in, in the biological system. And they do a brilliant job in the book, um, spontaneous evolution, Bruce Lipton, and the other guy, who I apologize. <laughs> um, and so if we are facing a crisis as the human race right now, taking that into consideration, it's almost like, finally you know Mm. it's only like finally man we're finally gonna like evolve Mm. and and fix or like change the things about humankind that have always been problematic and you can go back like tens of thousands of years and you're always seeing the same thing play out again and again like these power struggles and wars and you're almost like dude have we learned nothing like 100,000 years ago, we were all fighting wars, and 100,000 years later, we're still fighting wars. Mm-hmm. Like, We're not improving. And maybe that's because things have been good enough that we just don't need to change. And so if we are finding ourselves in a crisis, maybe that is finally going to be what it takes for us to take that evolutionary leap and that's what the Earth is giving birth to, mm-hmm. is this new evolutionary leap of existence. and And that's That's my vision of it, and, you know, maybe that's crazy. But it does give me hope, and it does make me kind of smile at the situation instead of freak out about it.
1: I love it. It's like an—I don't think it sounds crazy at all. It sounds like a— It sounds like this alchemical hope, you know. It's like you're taking the real the realism, and you're saying, okay, this is what happening happening now. But like you're saying, what if this is the good catalyst, like the bad catalyst to the good life later or the good world later? And it's kind of it. I, I'm thinking of the the tower in tarot. I don't know why, but like obviously there's just this right. parallel. A lot of people hate this card, and like, shit on this card. Like, it's funny, like, this card gets hate in this deck of of tarot. But it just signifies that instead of, like, building somewhere smart, you built in the wrong place. And the tower gets, like, stronger and bigger as you're building it. So eventually, whatever circumstance that's trying to let you know that it was in the wrong place is gonna, like, knock it down essentially. And then that sucks. Especially if you're, like, sleeping in the like the the high top room or something. So then, change is always good. Change is always necessary. Change is always, if we're being honest. So if you resist that, then you get changed instead of change. And that can be a how do you say like buscule? Like that can that's like something comes out and does it for you, sort of. You know. So that that can be really challenging for the ego. It could be scary for the collective. But I really think what you said is anything but crazy. It's just kind of what's happening.
2: Well, I'll give you some context. And I, and I think that, well, I hope that the context is actually very, very relatable. And we can all go back to a particular time in our own life's experiences and resonate with something similar. But I was a drug addict in 2003. I was spiraling down a heroin addiction my life was falling apart. And that culminated in me waking up in my car underwater because I had blacked out behind the wheel because I had been drinking and taking drugs and then was driving my car. And at three o'clock in the morning I woke up and I'm in a river underwater with water pouring in through the windows of my car as it's sinking. And I had to figure shit out right away because I had no idea what had happened, but I knew I needed to get out of the car, jumped out the window, thankfully the window was down, and swam to the shore and turned around and just watched my car go full underwater. And that was like rock bottom for me, for sure. And that's when I made a declaration to myself or to the universe that I was gonna make a big change in my life. And then two weeks later, I booked my flights down to the Amazon rainforest and had the most incredible transformation Sorry. of my life that led me on the most incredible path of my life and honestly I owe it all to me hitting rock bottom and that was my crisis you could say you know that led to my evolution and and I think that we all have had a moment like that mm-hmm. in our life where we could easily describe it as one of the worst times of our life and yet we could also easily describe it as the source of what would become the best parts of our life. Mm. And and that seems to just be the way things are. You know, It's it, maybe there's some sort of like scientific law that describes it, you know, where light appears in the darkness or, you know, you, you can't have complete darkness because light will always come in or I, I don't know, I'm just mm. making it up to be honest, but... It's, a, it's an experience that I think most people have had and, and I think that it's a great way to remember. In fact, I use this technique now where if I am going through a shitty experience in the ups and downs of life, I will you know remember that experience and how it played out and then I'll kind of project forward into the future knowing that I'm going to look back at this and say, that was great. You know, that shitty thing that happened, that was great because it opened up these opportunities and it led me to where I am now. And so I know that at some point in the future, I'm going to look back at the shit I'm in right now and and be glad. Hmm. So that can help me to feel better about being in this shit right now. You know, I can it gives me more strength to kind of see my way through it, almost keep my eyes open for those opportunities, knowing mm. that they are going to come. And, and, you know, you mentioned COVID. And I think that what a great opportunity we have, you know, like we could, can't really get much more rock bottom and, and shitty than this year. Mm. Right. But yet already I feel and I'm sure there's a ton of people that are, are feeling it, too, that there are such opportunities for raising our awareness, for, you know, for bringing to light a lot of things that we've been ignoring or like, not wanting to deal with. You know, all of these opportunities to improve have presented themselves thanks to the depth of shittiness that has happened in our lives. And, and I feel inevitable that we will all look back and be like, yeah, that was really helpful for us to go through because we made such realizations during that time that changed the way that we decided to live afterward yes 100
1: percent. you almost can't do otherwise like it, the, 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 once you're in that future once it's the present and you're looking back you know like if you're admitting that there's some kind of growth or or comfort in your present you know if you're alive and you can find some gratitude then everything behind you has led to that moment and we've all heard the line you know but you've you really expounded on it and made it like you said like relatable and and it's true there's there's just a really uh not so subtle power in remembering that rock bottom and then looking at the the transformation the birth like you said earlier you know like that's what's happening now we just might not understand it and then you even can project into the future some possible positivities that are coming out of this and corona is is really a really good example i think a lot of us already feel that way maybe because we're scrounging maybe we're a little desperate for for some nuggets of of uh joy or or y- i think there it, there's a commitment there's just a lot of stuff that we've had to do and change so just by will we want this to be worth something more than just some you know months of suffering and that might be an oversimplification but i mean that's what's gonna cause things to to come out you know that like You're saying it's like some law of nature or something. It's really just making people look up. That's what ceremony does. That's what uh, psychedelics do. Uh, That's my theory as to why it grows brain cells. It just fucking shocks you and shows you shit you've never seen before. So your brain gets wrinkled, you know? I remember I was in Banff for a summer once. The locals don't look up. You're literally in a valley, and you have beautiful mountains everywhere. They don't care anymore. And that's my metaphor for that, you know? Like, you, you... You need to get a slap, or 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 like one of the mountains just blows up, or something crazy, and then now you're looking up, and you know the light was always there, but your eyes were in the other direction, or whatever, uh, whatever you want to say.
0: So I
2: have a a six-year-old daughter, and and she's. I mean, I have. I'm i live a blessed life to say the least i have studied with some incredible indigenous coranderos in the amazon rainforest like my list of teachers is kind of a insane list of teachers but this little girl that i get to spend my life with my daughter she is hands down like 10 times more profound a teacher for me and one of the greatest teachings that she provides is that she is so innocent to the marvel of it all you know like she looks at the world and it is the most incredible thing in the world if it's a grasshopper or a ladybug or a Mm. cloud or a thunderbolt or any of it you know and i and i try so hard like not to try to explain that away you know Mm. i want like you teach me like Mm. because i need to to see that magic i need to to remember what i what i knew to be true which is that we're living in the most incredible miracle every second of the day And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, one thing that you brought up when you said, like, that's what happens in ayahuasca ceremonies, like everything that we were just talking about, that is an ayahuasca ceremony, you know, like hitting rock bottom, Mm -hmm. like finding the strength to like pick yourself back up, see the opportunities, eventually look back like that's all the microcosm of a ceremony is (laughs) all of that shit in, in one condensed intense night (laughs) and just in case you know we were saying wonderful things about ayahuasca like making such improvements in your life you don't work you you don't go into a ceremony and just start to bliss out the whole time and then afterward you're better it's actually quite the opposite you like go way down you think uh, maybe i'm gonna die like the crisis (laughs) is right there in the middle of your face you know and then you like figure it out and Open the doors, and eventually you do get to the point where you look back and be like, "Oh wow, that was good."
1: <laughs> we call it the washing machine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> for real. That's a great explanation because <laughs> you do come out clean. And you yeah. are glad, yeah. But, but you're
1: also yeah. just lost during it. It's it's I just feel like ringer, you're. Yeah. Boop, 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 yeah. Well,
0: you know, I one thing that always sticks to me in ceremony because you know you go to the depth sometimes and you you can't control it, so you just got to experience it. Is one thing that I always reminds my remind myself or it's like maybe it's not even me but it's just always there it's just trust the process trust the process trust the that's process right. and that's with with this whole thing too you can apply that formula for this just trusting the process and All that's right. that's the method you did where you can predict not predict but you see the future outcome from that tr- trauma or that pitfall if you trust the process you'll know you'll you'll go back up to the new height and you'll look back at it and you'll have like this sense of accomplishment and and joy for what happened you know and it's like it's almost like you're hugging yourself from the future and just saying, "Come on, you'll get here. Just, just keep trusting, keep going forward." You know, it's it's a very nice perspective to set for yourself, and it really it's ends. it's always true because you'll you'll get through whatever the fuck's bothering you. Whatever was going on in your life ten years ago is not happening in this moment, hopefully. And that's the weird thing that people keep
1: forgetting. Sorry to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but like I, I, this is like a quote from the show Community, but the the, the character Abed he says. I used to be anxious about the future, but I was anxious about now in the past. And, like, the future is right. now. So he's like, why am I still anxious about the future? Mm-hmm. Now is great. So he just had this, like, epiphany and, yeah. like, reached enlightenment on the <laughs> syndicated television. I, mean, I,
2: I love talking about all this stuff, but I do recognize that talking about it is I, – I, I worry sometimes that it makes it sound simple. You know, like That's sometimes the, I'm like, oh, just believe that everything will be fine. You're good. You know, yeah. <laughs> I it's not so easy. No, it's not. I, I, when you said that, I was like, how many times have I said that to myself, <laughs> like in, you know, in a ceremony or, you mm-hmm. know, in the in the throes of what it means to run an ayahuasca retreat center and like worrying, mm. like getting to the point where I'm worrying about whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And then looking back after it, of course, <laughs> resolves in a way that was way better than I possibly could have imagined, you know? And I look back and I'm like, why was I, wor- I still, <laughs> yeah. like, why do I still worry? Like how many times? triple for the I have same gotten crack. to the point where I have a mantra that is, it'll all work out. Mm. You know, I just, like anytime one of my staff members contacts me to let me know like something broke or something went wrong. Our building got struck by lightning <laughs> last year. And, um, you know, and, that's and all now right. I like, I, even if I'm going to worry, I still say like, well, it'll all work out. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like trust the process and also. The,
0: that's wisdom too, because of the past experiences, just compile that wisdom from it passing and trusting the process is just getting, it's like a muscle that's just growing, and that's the wisdom you get from a lot of the the elderly uh, the elder teachers and the 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 ones that have been through those ru- those routes you know who've who've right. tripped on the same crack and same branches and they 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 have these like little nuggets of wealth of knowledge but you either way you hear it you have to experience these kind of pitfalls to to find it for yourself and that's the wisdom that you gain experience i guess yeah
2: we all have it though yeah, i yeah. mean everyone has it you Everyone has had those experiences where we were worried about something or we thought something was bad. And then now we look back and we think it was silly to worry and how it got way better than we thought it would be. And it's like nobody says no to that. No Mm -hmm. one says that's never happened. Never. You know, like everyone knows that that happens and it's reliable. You yeah. know, it like happens reliably. Yeah. Like it, it's a guarantee.
1: That's a You have
2: a forest fire. Oh fuck! That's a horrible thing. Ten years later. Oh, that all grew back. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, yeah. It's now way more beautiful than it was before.
0: Yeah.
1: Forest fire is a great example because it's like this kind of. It's a real. I mean, we you've you've come up with like ten good examples. There's just this process of creation, sustaining, and destruction essentially. And uh I don't know there's it's it, there's all everything's kind of a metaphor for everything else, like it's all just that. there's just this kind of like constant uh like we're going through that. so we are playing a different game, life, nature, whatever it's playing this game of of like almost like a uh, like almost unaware of itself, just this kind of machine, this beautiful just production this again like i said create sustain destroy the destruction is the pieces to create a new but we're in there with an ego going through that washing machine and then we need this kind of micro life death experience with psych with psychedelics maybe to kind of remind us what's going on and like we are going to die and all that bittersweetness that that just gives you this kind of like i keep saying this kind of realism this honesty with like a like a hint of faith and optimism because fuck it we're human you know if you're realistic like obut like a hundred percent you're you're kind of a pessimist in a weird way because humans just retain the bad we're just going to lean towards that there's a proclivity or a bias and maybe a lot of bad happens more than good if you really measure it who knows but it doesn't mean you it's still it's still it still means it's less functional to think that's going to happen you know, like that whole prepare for the worst but hope for the best. There's so much wisdom in that sentence. It's not like kitsch. It's not like, oh, sure, let's do that because smiles are friendlier. It's like, no, you'll be miserable. Like there's that like that foundational thing you were talking about at the top of the podcast. Like we can cure and help and all this stuff, but there's this underlying, you kind of put it simply, there's this fundamental kind of self-belief and maybe the global, like, uh, like this uh, human way of thinking, this like deeper global belief that has to shift, that has to be like the thing that we kind of attack and and fix and kind of utilize or or mobilize onto. Because if we if we never end up doing that, we're never we're always missing the mark. We're always missing the point, and we're always cycling back to the same mistakes and shit. And, I mean, you know, this kind of segues, because I, 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 I've been wanting to ask you, we're kind of running out of time. We may have, like, five minutes left or something. But uh, okay. yeah. um, I'm just curious, because we've pretty much extracted, like, a lot of your, like, the facets of, of you, Carlos. But, like, the, the one thing we haven't talked about is the traditions themselves and, like, shamanism itself because this seems kind of, even for someone like me who's looked into it a little bit, this seems a little like uh, ambiguous or vague because maybe it's just kind of words that we throw out in an umbrella fashion. I'd love to get more granular on that because obviously it's all going to bleed back into what we're talking about. I don't know if I'm opening up a, a real can of worms here or yeah. not.
2: I was, I like I love that you were like, I think we've got five minutes left. How about you tell me about the last... Fifty thousand year development <laughs> of these traditions <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: maybe maybe i can squeeze you a I'll, little and just yeah, say I'll like try. what is shamanism and yeah, and how is it yeah it. We'll, we'll get you so back on we'll man. have to do a part two <laughs> we'll, we'll do a part two
2: yeah i would love to be back on and, and try to focus on that yeah. I, it's understandable with what we've all gone through and i love talking to you guys i, I actually like you guys are doing wonders for me and my own like organization of my ideas and things like that. Thank you. Thanks. And hopefully I'm doing something Likewise, similar for you. 100%. Um, true. So the, even the word tradition to me is, I'm not a huge fan. I, I kind of feel like it's inaccurate. It, it's the term that is most used. So obviously I use it because people will probably know what I'm talking about. But I don't like it because it implies that things are done the way that they used to be done. And that's not true. Uh, I've worked with the same family of coranderos for 11 years and they don't do it the same that they did 10 Mm. years ago and that's just 10 years if you went back 100 years to that same indigenous community they were doing it totally different than they are now and if you went back 500 years they were doing it totally different than they were 100 years ago Mm. i will say that the rate of change has accelerated now and that's just a phenomenon of Of change you know acceleration of change has happened as a part of what uh, our lives have been like Mm -hmm. you know there was some new technology coming out every 20 years or something then ten then five then one it seems like there's a new technology every six months now it'll probably get to the point where it's like every other day or something Um, you know change is definitely happening faster but that's including tradition as well and so to me uh, science is a better word to describe because it really is an investigation. It's just that the investigation into better understanding our own identity, and in particular, like how to stay healthy, includes what could be called alternate dimensions of reality. And, and our classic science tends to stay in its lane of uh, perceptive ability limitations. Mm-hmm. In that sense, I mean, like, we rely on what we can see, hear, taste, touch touch, smell, all that to determine what is real. But even within science, we have branches of science that go outside of that. You know, we know about X-rays, we know about gamma rays, we even know about ultraviolet and infrared, like that's that's part of terminology that we know, even though it refers to something that we can't perceive, mm-hmm. at least not directly. We have to have some technological intervention that allows us to. Um, What I would refer to as the science of plant medicine still stays in the lane of what is possible with our perceptive ability, except that they use substances enhanced by a system of methods, rituals Mm -hmm. that expand the perceptive ability. So it expands your awareness to include infrared, for example, and ultraviolet but yet without technological intervention, simply through uh, technological ingestion, maybe, because you're taking substances that amplify your uh, perception. And so to me, that tradition, it has been this constantly developing system to enhance how we can utilize amplified states of awareness. And that is why the ceremony became A part of the tradition was because people probably quickly realized that if they just took this substance and walked around and interacted with people during the day it actually probably confused them it didn't allow them to enhance that ability and and gain the most from it so i'm sure along the way they were like hey let's do this at night first of all because at night our senses are already enhanced you know, when you're in a dark room, your mm. pupils naturally get larger as a desire to uh, take in more light. And you you also, in quiet, become more sensitive to sound. And, you know, sensory deprivation is something that we're all uh, familiar with. The reason why you go into sensory deprivation tanks is because it has a natural physiological response of amplifying our ability to perceive. And so this is kind of like, ceremony is like hey let's do this sensory deprivation thing and then elements began to build upon that they began to interact with the spirits of their ancestors spirits of plants spirits of animals spirits of the natural world that exist in a state that is invisible to us normally or inaudible to us normally but now we're visible and audible and through those interactions these spirits started to say hey I've got some ideas for you Mm -hmm. and thus these traditions started to develop to develop based on the insights and communication with beings conscious beings of elements of nature and I mean I can't imagine anything more fascinating than that to be honest Mm -hmm. I mean how incredibly fascinating can you get? Yeah. And 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 if you have taken ayahuasca, chances are you had something similar happen, you know, mm-hmm. where there was this point where you felt this communication, possibly incredibly direct communication with a being that normally would be inaccessible or, or invisible or, you know, just out of the realm of your reality. Mm-hmm. And And that's what our ancestors were doing forever. And that's how they were able to tap into those insights and it's i mean i I could talk about it for years i would love to come back on the show and and talk about it more there's so much to it and there's so many elements that tie in that kind of connect the dots to why we do see the world the way we do like we still have these remnants um of our ancestral traditions and you know whether it's why we have Santa Claus mm-hmm. who comes down the chimney and you put stockings over the fireplace which is all based on the use of fly agaric mushrooms in the Siberian shamanic traditions you know or why we have the Easter bunny you know like all of there are these super obvious and, and comical like connections <laughs> but yet also we have like the these um, comments and, and and you know kind of oddball like pieces of our culture that refer to those ancestral traditions and and not I mean not so much the traditions just the the reality like the paradigm what I now call the indigenous paradigm but perhaps better would just be to call it the ancestral paradigm because Mm. indigenous might exclude us or we might think that we're excluded in that sense and I don't want to do that our ancestors operated in a different reality than Mm. we do and 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 their reality has a lot to offer especially for us right now and and i do think that what i called the psychedelic renaissance this revival of ancestral knowledge or at least the substances of the traditions i think will provide a connection to that paradigm and and hopefully we'll experience and see this paradigm shift where i don't know if will go back but will certainly merge you know and, and i i i can see that like with that evolutionary leap i was describing will literally come a, a, a just new reality a new paradigm of reality which will take the benefits of what we discovered through our kind of scientific reality and combine them with our ancestral reality which we could call that the nature reality and mm. and see it kind of maybe as a a new like intergalactic reality or paradigm of reality um but yeah there's there's so much to learn, and so much of what we need to learn we already knew, you know <laughs> um, but let's pave new paths forward, and you know let's see what is out there and and how we can make it work for us.
1: beautiful, I, I love listening to you talk. I just yeah. real- it just dawned on me like. <laughs> about 20 seconds
2: ago i'm like i could just listen to this guy
1: talk i mean the, the 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 organization of your thoughts but the obviously the content and then just the tone as well you know like he just it's a nice mix not to not to fluff your ego too much
2: i really appreciate that. no i appreciate that a lot i will defer my ego because so much of it is seriously just because i have such a great connection with plant spirits through the The years i've devoted to working with ayahuasca Hmm. i feel like i just need to open my mouth and start talking and and like all this other stuff starts coming in and and that's why i like appreciate you know that's why i want to thank you guys for for kind of uh motivating it because Hmm. i'm look i listen to what comes out of my mouth sometimes too and i'm like oh man that was like great what I mm. should try to remember <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> and so, if I, if we record some of them, I, I do feel like it's, it's plants like talking. Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: It's like you have become a channel but for I'll it a little bit. I
2: take the credit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look, man, uh, I, I really get the feeling we could talk forever. So <laughs> I, I guess now's a good a time to cut it as any. But uh, I have nothing to add. I'm just going to spark another like 20 minute conversation. Right. <laughs> <I, laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thanks for, the, thanks, for the, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the clarifications. Thanks for all the work you're doing. And thank you in advance for coming back because I cannot wait to talk to you again.
0: Yeah.
2: Cool, man. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me on your show. Um, if I can, drop a little... Yes, plug. please. Drop everything. If you do want to learn more about our organization, the Ayahuasca Foundation, you can visit our website, ayahuascafoundation.org. You can also find me on Instagram at at ayahuasca foundation at Twitter at ayahuasca found. And I'm Carlos Tanner. If you contact uh, through the contact us form on our website, that goes straight to my email. So if you do want to contact me directly, just use that form and I'll get the message and try to respond as quickly as I can.
0: Beautiful. And thank you for all the work that you're doing and Um, I'm so excited to see where this is going to go and the results that are already showing, but the further results to prove what we already know what's going to be proved. It's going to be beautiful to see. And just let's keep moving the movement forward.
2: Um, Amen. Two thumbs up for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: it. Okay. Agreed. (laughs) Take care. Take care,
1: man. Thanks.
2: Thank you, too.